Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Father Christmas is Back. Usually at this point I give a spoiler warning saying, you know, if you don't want to have the film spoiled for you, don't listen to the podcast because there might be spoilers or just be aware there are spoilers if you intend to proceed. Honestly, I'm not going to bother with that because this is one of the worst films I have ever seen. So, you know, watch it or don't. But listen to us talking about it, obviously. Let's begin. Hello! Ho, ho, ho! You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> I enjoyed Let's the pause that there. way too low. I wasn't going to change anything, <laughs> I just wanted to entertain the people with a lovely Christmas song. It had a nice amount of anticipation right there, didn't it? Anticipation. Said that like Pierce Brosnan. It's um oh Rocky Horror, isn't it? One of the Rocky Horror songs. Antissa. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't watched that in a very long time. Yeah, I I need to give it another watch. Actually, that sort of feels Christmassy, doesn't it? I guess Tim Curry is a festive man, and yeah. anything he does is sort of just a little bit festive, isn't it? Yeah. It, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bucko the dancing clown. That's the one. <laughs> But, I mean, obviously iconic performances and stuff like Muppet Treasure Island, which Muppets do feel Christmassy, don't they? Yes, we watched the Muppet Christmas Carol on Monday with my dad, which was good. Which is Although a, my dad a also t- took the opportunity to inform me that he enjoys the film Fred Claus, even though no one else does. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't know I've never seen, seen it either. I think maybe we're going to be watching that one next. I don't know. We do need to watch that at some point. Of course, the the greatest Tim Curry performance outside of the guy in Command of Conquer who escapes capitalism by going into space. Um, <laughs> iconic meme. Um, is Nigel Thornberry in The Wild Thornberries. I, I've never seen that. Oh, man. Such a great show. That feels like one of the, one of those things that was part of lots of other people's childhoods. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> you were too busy reading Infinite Jest. Yeah, of course. I'd read Lord of the Rings by the time I was six, and then I moved on to Infinite Jest. It, it was great. Fam- family of people in the jungle, doing doing um, doing jungle things, doing environmentalist things. It's awesome. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great show. Great show, and he he's the dad. Um, however, there is no such fun in this week's movie. Oh, we're getting on to it already. I guess. We <laughs> well, if, if 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 we've got anything you'd like to say to postpone. Um, I'm desperately trying to think of things talking about this week's film I (laughs) just just found out some brand new information by the way you Um, just mean in general you learned something today you've got some knowledge it is to do with this week's film okay well then let's use that then as the segue yeah Um, this week's film Father Christmas is back did you know it's turning into a franchise? 
that that is the most cursed knowledge ever. <laughs> I re- really wish I did not know that. I assume. Anyway, we have got two movies from this year called Christmas in Paradise and Christmas in the Caribbean. Okay. I'm listening. I'm... And they are with the same casts, sort of. And I think they're sort of they're creating a Christmas family cinematic universe. What based off the back of perhaps honestly the worst Christmas film I have ever seen. <laughs> I think that so. That nobody watched. I think so. That nobody watched. Um this week's movie is Father Christmas is Back. You've probably not heard of it because it was released <laughs> on n- Netflix last year has. to no to no fanfare and has somehow resurfaced a little bit this year, but not much. And it genuinely, despite having an all-star <laughs> cast, has been sort of just completely lost. So I'm, I'm actually, I wish that we hadn't found it, obviously. But <laughs> this has, I mean, it's nowhere near as good as what was the movie called that we talked about last week with with the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Falling for Christmas. No, no. Um, Spirited. The 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 Bigfoot movie. Oh, with, Pottersville. Um, I was gonna say Potters- I I hated that film, but that <laughs> film was a thousand times better than this. Yeah, but but Pottersville has a similar vibe in that there's all of these incredible people in it, and you're thinking, how? <laughs> Pottersville <laughs> was weird in a bad way. But yeah. it still had, I think I gave it four or five out of 20, maybe. It still had, like, Michael Shannon being Michael Shannon doing Michael Shannon things, which is always a joy to watch. And it still had Ron Perlman as this sort of clueless police officer. And it had all that stuff with the furries, which, although weird, was intriguing, at least. There was a <laughs> was level unique. of base intrigue to Pottersville. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Father Christmas is back is boring. Oh my god! I'm gonna say something that Mark Kermode often says, which is that it's unspeakably bad. (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that the end of the episode then? Yeah, 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 that's that's it. Episode. Um, So I'll I'll talk a little bit at the end. Remind me to talk about the sequels because we don't want to spoil the events. Oh no! Yeah, spoiler alert for. And Christmas in Paradise, which both reportedly came out this year, and I have no idea what? where. Not on Netflix. Who they're both twenty. One? They're both twenty twenty two. I'll have to have a look to see if Christmas in Paradise, um, and Christmas in the Caribbean. I don't know which way round they are either. So but, they've just um, guffed out yeah, two films, to, uh, basically. And if that is true, if yeah. they have genuinely made sequels to this film, that just shows you how completely lazy that the movie industry is and how it's just a churn of content now isn't it and that the stuff that is actually good is sort of the top five percent of it isn't it and then there's just this sort of underbelly of churning content that somehow gets made and the only reason is because they could attach a few stars to it um and use an existing template basically they're like oh well the template from that kind of exists so it wouldn't be that difficult to write we'll get someone who can sort of write it who's done some stuff but not much you know if it's got a few big names people will watch it right yeah and i think we we shouldn't necessarily look at the past of movie making with rose-tinted glasses because there's always been a whole lot of oh, yeah that's come out of movie making. I'm not saying this but is necessarily a new thing, days, but I think it's worse now. I th- th- the issue is that in the olden days, it used to be a straight-to-video release that you'd never, ever see, because they release a handful of copies, often in America, they'd never make it over exactly, the Exactly, yeah. 
You might walk past it on the bottom shelf of Blockbuster Video. Yeah, it will be resigned to Blockbuster or your local equivalent, okay. and you'll never, um, you'll you, you'll you'll never see it. You'll never hear about it, and you'll have things like regional releases, so you won't even hear about it that way. Also, you'd get weirder movies because you'd have those. Um, those creators who'd who'd who direct these films that are very strange on low budgets that would also have similar releases um and so one of the positives of the modern experience is that actually sometimes those people that make very strange very interesting movies can reach a wider audience mm. through the internet through streaming services but it also does mean that all of the trash is able to be found and that they attach big names to trash I think is I think is what I'm more trying to get at is that this is an all-star cast and it's still completely and utterly rubbish with nothing to recommend it. Because <laughs> because yeah, sometimes you'll see a stinker and sometimes you would you would historically get those movies that have an awful lot of people in it and you're like how 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 did this get created? But this is particularly egregious. Is this, is this worse than just <laughs> I friends? Think... I want to get this in there early. I think it's worse than just friends. Um... Because as as you always say, at least that one had um, Ryan Reynolds getting a, a <laughs> Ryan to Reynolds the getting hit or, in the dick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is worse than just Friends because the messaging of this movie is maybe not as bad as just. Yes, Friends. in terms of messaging, if we all just if Friends we all followed worse. the ideology of these movies, if we all decided to believe in the message of just Friends, the world would die in twenty four hours because we'd all be ripping each other's spines out. Whereas here, it would die in a week out of boredom. Yeah. But I think the boredom factor makes it a worse film. Just objectively, as a piece of entertainment, as a piece of content, maybe if you try and look past the messaging for a second, this is so boring and just so devoid of substance and so lazy and just not really of of any substance at all that I, I find that more offensive because they got this all-star cast together <laughs> and did nothing with it it's it's really strange how stale this film like, what is. do you think they were trying to do you know often when something when a film is bad mm. we look at a film and it's bad but we can see that there was some kind of ambition and just friends you know they they were trying to make a sort of a mean-spirited I used to be fat and now I'm a hot hunk comedy, right? Guy guy goes back to hometown at Christmas comedy, right? You could you can understand where that's coming from. With this, I guess were all they trying to do to be like ha ha families bicker at Christmas, especially in the UK. <laughs> especially in Yorkshire it's, it's, in a mansion. It feels like it feels almost like this would have been a 1970s romp that went directly onto BBC at Christmas time. Mm, yeah. That's what it feels like. It it feels it doesn't feel like a modern movie whatsoever. It feels like something very old fashioned from a previous era that wouldn't have made a fuss back then. Which is extremely funny. The only thing funny about this movie is that you have John <laughs> The One Saving Grace was when I saw that he was in it, I was like, Oh my god, it's gonna be about him and his boring, tedious, anti woke life, isn't it? <laughs> and and he actually wasn't in it that much, which I was quite grateful for. No. But but what's so funny about John Cleese is that he's one of those incredibly boring people that's constantly saying, Oh, you can't make comedy these days and you can't make anything these days. No, John. You can't do comedy these days. You are incredibly unfunny. And if this is what your output looks like in the modern era, this is exactly why you think that comedy can't be done. Because you're making this shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. This is the most timid, un, un, uncontroversial comedy film I've seen in a very, very He's long not time. even doing comedy anymore. He hasn't released anything funny in like 20 years. All he's been doing is writing yet another memoir to pay off the debts of his latest divorce <laughs> in, in a cycle for the last <laughs> 20 decades and occasionally popping up to say right-wing shit in the media. It's so woke these days. I can't make jokes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, it's not like Bojack Horseman <laughs> is one of the most popular comedy series of all time or Rick and Morty. Yeah. Or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, let's, let's have a little look at um, John Cleese as an actor and see when the last thing was that he was funny. I'm thinking we need to go back to Fierce Creatures. And even then, a lot of people don't think that Fierce Creatures was particularly funny. It's nowhere near as good as A Fish Called Wonder. No. I mean, I enjoy it because it's 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 almost like a family-friendly Fish Called Wonder because there's lots of cute animals in it and things like that, which there's lots of jokes there that are only meant for adults, but I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, this is funny. It's watchable. Yeah. So let's let's go back in time. He voiced someone in the Elder Scrolls Online. That is extremely what? funny. <laughs> I hate that that happened. <laughs> it's, what is he doing voicing people in video games? This is very odd for him. Um, I wonder okay, if he'll be willing he to was do in, a voice for me when I he eventually was the- <laughs> make my Metroidvania game. He's one of the bosses, apart from when you enter the boss arena, the swell of music starts, and he's like, get ready for a fight, you woke parasite, and then he just immediately pisses himself and falls over, and it's an insta-win. Yeah, easiest um, boss in the whole game. Speedrunners um, will love he, it. He, he, he voiced King Gristle Sr. in the Trolls movie in 2016. Okay. I assume that was not very good. He's in a movie called Spud 3, Learning to Fly, as a character called The Gov. I have no idea what that is. I don't want to know what that is. Um, <laughs> he was in Pixar's Planes as a character called Bulldog. Oh, I haven't seen that, but you, you, you can get what the idea of that is from the fact that Cars <laughs> exists. And is bad. Spud you leave two. Cars alone, my son likes it. Your son's allowed to love it. Other people aren't. It's actually like a really perfect film for sort of three to four year olds because there's basically zero jeopardy or anything at all scary. It's just like yeah, the cars they have a he gets a bit sad at some points, but mostly it's very very. There's kind of no potentially scary content at all, so it's easy to understand. Okay, that's good to know. Um, he's in Spud Two and Spud. I have no idea what these movies are, but he's in all three of them. The Spud franchise. The, Sp- the we'll Spud Cinematic that, Universe. Really. It's South Africa 1990. Um, a kid goes to an elite boys only private boarding school. Okay, that sounds awful. Um, he was the narrator in Beethoven's Christmas Adventure in 2011. I'm sorry, Paddy. He's oh, no. Soiled your favourite movie. He's connected franchise. to Beethoven. You're just loading my brain with cursed knowledge today. I don't want this <laughs> I, I, in the run up to Christmas. Okay, here we go. This is like getting go. coal he, for Christmas. He was the voice of the king in Shrek the Third and the Onward Shrek movies. But do we consider Shrek the Third to be a good film? Mm, probably not. We did we yeah. did an episode on Shrek the, the first. Didn't the first, we? didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And Shrek Two is funny. I don't remember Shrek the Third very well. Shrek Two's got Puss in Boots. Who's who's yes. very funny? 
Um, he is an he has an uncredited scene in Stranger Than Fiction, so I'm not going to count that. Nope. I assume he has. I don't even remember seeing him in that. In that, I remember it vaguely. It's, it's like ten seconds. <laughs> okay, I don't think we even we even mentioned it. But these are all um, acting roles in films, some of which are funny or not. And he goes up and talks about comedy when he hasn't done any comedy in decades. Yeah, we're now back to 2001 and we've not really found a proper comedy movie apart from Trolls. No. The most important comedy film of all time. <laughs> um, he is nearly headless Nick in Harry Potter. Yes, that's right. The the, the transphobe's favourite. Yeah, oh, you wouldn't get away with having a nearly headless ghost now, would you? Okay, here we go. This is one which I think might be potentially controversial for you. I think you might be a fan of this movie. Rat Race. Yes, that I think that is the last time he was funny. I'm going to hang that hang that on the on a peg and say that's the last yeah. time John Cleese was funny and or relevant. <laughs> 2001. We're looking at over two decades. Yeah. Of of John Cleese not being funny, not doing any comedies apart from this movie. Yeah. And and where he's attempted to do comedies, it's been bad. So I, yeah, I was sorry to see that he was in this, but I was genuinely it was a mercy that he was only in a handful of scenes and he actually didn't really do much. He just is grumpy. That's his old character arc. He's grumpy and he fights Kelsey Grammer. He's just kind of there, but there is one absolutely horrific scene where it's like you don't see the sex, but you see the foreplay between him and Caroline Quentin, like in a <laughs> barn where he's like mucking out the horse poo. And he pretends to be a bull. It's really, really odd and awful. Uh, I can't believe you absolute woke moralist um, are so offended by that, Paddy. Uh, yeah, sorry. These days you can't even make a movie where you have sex amongst animal feces without the woke moralist trying to cancel you. Yeah, we're trying to cancel this film for having horrible sex scenes. <laughs> is that yeah? Is that what we're doing? That's what... <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Um, but anyway, let, let's. I do want to cancel about... this film, but only because it's awful, <laughs> not because anything in it offends me. Other than it's just offensively bad in in terms of what it is and how just completely unwatchable and unfunny it is. It's <laughs> true. It is extremely. So tell us what happens in the film. First up, before we do that, let's talk about. To further cement how bizarre it is that this movie exists, let's talk about the rest of the cast. So we've talked yeah. about the most boring man in the world, John Cleese. The man who you would literally jump out of a moving vehicle to avoid talking to. Um, <laughs> but, he just gets in the car and then you jump out the other door. Yeah, he, he, you hear, you can sense that he's about to talk about, about young people with dyed blue hair and how they're ruining the country um and you just you just jump out the window yeah um these days you can't even get an uber with an old man without being cancelled woke moralists. Yeah. um anyway everybody else in this movie you've got liz hurley awesome liz hurley who we last spoke about in the context of austin powers who <laughs> yeah. was great in that. and who continues to be great we've got kelsey grammar Frasier himself. In this movie. We've got Natalie Cox. I don't know if you're aware of the work of Natalie Cox outside of this. Vaguely. She is she is basically the lead in this ensemble piece. Um, she's been in uh, a few great things here and there. Most recently for me, she plays your agent in the Formula One video games and has done for like <laughs> nearly a decade now. And it's awesome. So she's the person who does the voiceover where she's like, here, you should sign a new contract and stuff like that 
So oh, I knew you liked Formula One. I didn't know you played Formula One games. They're amazing. As well. They're so good. Um, but she's great. Natalie Cox, fan, fan of her. She's done some good stuff over the years. Underrated. Um, weirdly involved in the writing of the future Christmas family movies. I've noted. <laughs> oh no! I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, <laughs> you think, I loved I loved my character in this awful film so much. I want to now base my career around it. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, but you know, I I think she's someone who probably should have had a bigger career than she had, and has done some some very good things over time. Um, but uh, yeah, so so she's in this, and she's sort of the um, she she's sort of the the lead character, I guess. Um, we've got her husband, played by Chris Marshall, of Love Actually, of Death in Paradise. Of, of BT Advert. BT Advert. BT Broadband Advert fame. Of My Family fame. Yeah. Um, that fella, you know him. You'll have seen him in stuff. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows a bloke like him. <laughs> uh, we've got Tallulah Riley in this movie as well. Yeah. Who, interestingly enough, not that it really pertains to this film, is Elon Musk's ex-wife. Yes, yeah, has, has nothing to do with this movie, but that's always something interesting. Uh, in yeah. in the Saint Trinian's movies, in uh, the Westworld TV series, again, oh she's, yeah, one of your faves. Again, she's been in some been in some good stuff. Um, we got Carol Inception. She in, was in Inception, well. yeah. We got Caroline Quentin. I know who I love. Who is great? Jonathan Creek. Men behaving badly. Just yeah. amazing. Which has the, a th- the theme tune from Men Behaving Badly is a thousand times better than this film. <laughs> you could, you would listen. I'd rather listen to that on a loop for two hours than watch this film. <laughs> but even like some of the smaller members of the cast, you've got um, uh, you've got Ray Fearden, um, who you'll recognise again from the Transphobes' favourite Wizard series, who was the voice of uh, Firenze. That's the, right. The, yeah, the the centaur. Um, also from Coronation Street, also from loads of stuff over the years. He's done lots of good things. Um, and and yeah, he's he's one of the he he's another member of the cast, but probably has one of the least things to do. Um, and April Bowlby, who's in Doom Patrol, who was in Two and a Half Men. What's Doom Patrol? Doom Patrol is, is that like Poor Patrol, but what I would <laughs> like it to be? It's Poor Patrol for goths. Doom Patrol. <laughs> Sounds um, good. We'll no, it's, a, it's a a good, uh, very strange DC Comics TV series. All right, um, with a great cast. It's got like Alan Tudyk in it and and everything like that. Oh, I love um, Alan Tudyk, Brendan Fraser, and yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. I haven't watched a lot of it, but what I have seen is is very very good. It's a sort of got a lot more humor to it and a lot more strangeness. So Alan Tudyk is one of those guys who can always guarantee you a good time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but then you've even got sort of a cameo from Katie Brand and stuff like that in this film. Yeah, she she didn't offend me in this. No, <laughs> all the rest of them did. But I'll give her I'll give her a pass. I think it probably was half a day's work. But you look at you look at this cast, and you think to yourself, "There's no way this movie can be bad." Yeah, but somehow <laughs> somehow they screwed it up these are all people who can act yeah <laughs> these are all people who are good and they're in the most boring movie i've ever seen in my life 
Yeah, and you just think, how did this happen? It's, and you think, even for actors, is there now something like this comes along? It's probably not that much work, and you just go, oh, yeah, I'll do it. You know, it's like, are actors not even bothering to think about the stuff they're acting in anymore? It's, it's weird, isn't it? The- like, did they genuinely read the script and go, oh, sounds all right? Because the script is terrible. It's just absolutely terrible. And and sometimes these kind of things happen where you get signed on to do something and then it changes and changes and changes. I don't know about the inner workings of Father Christmas's back. I do know that it had two directors. I don't know if that was consecutive or if someone came in to do other things to it. Um, But it's weird, isn't it? It's a strange... Yeah. It's... The production note on Wikipedia says filming occurred at Birdsall House near Moulton in September 2020. In November 2020, it was announced that filming wrapped. So that's not that long, really. No, no. I wonder if there was any issues with COVID causing restrictions. Yeah, that might have had an impact on on production. Yeah, or maybe was this kind of in the the sort of post-COVID wave of just starting to get back to filming stuff yeah. in late 2020. Everyone's just glad to have work. I don't know. It's it's a very weird situation. I'm not sure I'm not sure how I feel about it. No. Well, you don't feel good about it. <laughs> well, yes, it's true. I don't feel good about it. So, what is this movie about then? Do you want to talk us through the plot of Father Christmas is back? It's worth it's worth it's worth noting this is not about Santa Claus in spite no. of the name. The Father Christmas is the the patriarch of a family whose surname is Christmas. Ha ha, that's a funny joke. <laughs> and that actually kind of embodies everything that doesn't work about this film, isn't it? Everything in this film is like that, where it's like, that's the joke, and you're like, is that it? Is that the joke? But yeah, that is the joke. Okay, <laughs> right, I see. It's And like yeah. that kind of thing can work if if it's if it's backed up by things that are actually funny, but I, I don't think I laughed once, did you? No, I certainly did not laugh <laughs> in this movie. I feel yeah. I feel bad. I don't like disliking films. No, me and neither. Particularly it brings when me no joy. Particularly when there's so many people in this film that I do genuinely like. John John Cleese, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's. But I think that makes it worse, doesn't it? Yeah. If this was sort of a low budget production. The, with a bunch of unknowns you'd be like okay well fine you know these people are still finding their feet whatever these are actors with long decades long careers most of them and you just look at it and go how how did this happen yeah yeah it's it's just truly truly strange how so it's, it's a family comedy basically there are four four sisters who we assume are all sort of aged between 30 to 40, or in their 30s and 40s, it seems. The age things are all a bit weird, which we'll come on to. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so they're reuniting for the Christmas holiday. And, of course, it's in a mansion because everyone in films is rich. That um, is true. Everyone in movies yeah. is rich. Everyone in the movies is rich. Nobody has to ever worry about money or paying for anything or anything else. Um, so they're all they're all going to one of their mansions in Yorkshire, um the their dad ran off when they were small um and now suddenly the youngest one has been on a trip across america has found him and now he's coming back he's the father christmas who's coming back she she's invited him to just rock up for christmas without telling all of them which is a thing that happens only in films and hijinks ensue from there but which i mean 
the film lurches from like unfunny farcical set pieces to horrible non sex scenes you know sex scenes that only show weird foreplay because that's the joke um you know to kind of like suddenly really earnestly tender moments in a really really jarring way as they all realize that the dad loves them and then that's basically it isn't it that that that's exactly it yeah worth noting caroline quentin is like five years older than liz hurley and is playing her mum playing her mother yeah um (laughs) and john cleese is about 30 years older than all of them isn't he yeah absolutely absolutely. that's not an exaggeration is it he's playing um caroline quentin's well him and kelsey Grammer are supposed to be brothers and like so kelsey Grammer is the dad who left um and john cleese is the brother who cucked him basically (laughs) basically Um, yeah yeah so kelsey Grammer's 67 john cleese is 83 and they're supposed to be brothers who are relatively close in age. Um, and Caroline Quentin is 62. Okay, so so her and Kelsey Grammer are not that far apart, I guess. No. But like, yeah. And then, and then Liz Hurley is <laughs> it's their daughter. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, Liz Hurley, ageless. Yeah, no, I think she looks, she looks great in this film. Liz Hurley is actually uh, a Greek um, immortal being. Who hasn't aged since 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 one thousand BC? That that's who that's who she is. Um, but, I could believe that. But yeah, it's it's it, it is really strange looking at all of these different people that are of different ages, and then they're forcing them into these boxes. It's very very strange. Um, but you're right. The whole setup of this movie it's it's this this family comedy romp with these occasional moments of not very sexy, sexy moments. I think it's a film that thinks it's a romp, but it doesn't but, actually romp at any point, no, does it? No, it feels it like... It only shows you sort of the... the it, a bit much like the sex scenes, where it only shows you foreplay as a joke. Uh, not that I'm saying I wanted it to have sex, because I, I didn't, because I... <laughs> you don't I, want, you're saying you don't want to see John Cleese <laughs> having sex. Why are you trying to cancel him? Why are you trying oh, to... Oh, sorry, is that too What about John me? Cleese's free speech to go full hog in a movie? <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, I'm I'm part of the Wokerati, aren't I, for saying that John Cleese should not have sex in a film. It should have been like, um, what was that film, 365 Days? <laughs> It should have been that, but in a mansion been. in Christmas with a bunch of pallid British people. <laughs> That's what it should have been. All yeah. having sex. Yeah. And if you don't want that, you're part of the new left-wing fascist woke karate movement. I'm sorry to tell you. If you don't want that movie, that is the only form of free speech that is relevant. But yeah. Much like this film's approach to sex scenes... It's just, it sort of shows you the stuff that's the prelude to romping without showing any actual romping. And by romping, I don't mean sex this time. It, it's um, it's almost like a, a carry-on movie that's been slightly edited to be able to be shown on TV. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what this that's what this like film when they feels. would show them at three p.m. Yeah, on and, a Sunday, and then yeah. with some some rubbish sentimentality thrown in here and there as well. So it feels just unbelievably cheap. And yeah, got, suddenly the sad piano music's coming, and Kelsey Grammer's telling all the kids he left how much he loves them. That might have offended me more than anything else. <laughs> I agree. I as really a agree. As a father, yeah. as just I always have to say, but yeah. <laughs> So so in terms of the plot of this movie, what happens is um, 
Kelsey Grammer turns up with his girlfriend. Of course, she's vegan, which is a big running joke. So she can't eat all of the British yep. food. And she she's American. And she's American. And those two things are massively intertwined. Yeah, um, she's American and that's funny. <laughs> which, to be fair, should be funny. They could make some humour out of that. In a, yeah, in a, but in instead a they just make way. it like she thinks it's the castle where Princess Meghan Markle lived. Uh-huh. Yes. Very funny. Lol. It's a good job they didn't ask John Cleese about this being Meghan Markle's castle oh, now, God. because can you yeah. imagine? He'd probably keel over with rage. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, anyway um, what basically what happens is a few hijinks ensue, their water goes out, their power goes out, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of people lying in bed looking miserable, um, which if that doesn't sum up the whole sentiment of this movie, I don't know what is. Um, and then, yeah, they do things like go to a Christmas market. There's something about someone losing their car. Um, to, yeah, it's a very expensive car because uh, no, there's nothing worse than a rich man losing an expensive thing that he could afford to buy back. <laughs> um, Tallulah Riley has sex with someone. He's like the, the barman at the pub. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Because she's a young free spirit. She's the free spirited one. She turns up on a motorbike being all rock and roll, you see, because each of the characters is a really one dimensional daughter. Yeah. What, 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 whatever weird magic was used to, to form this family, the Christmas family, the, 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 uh, the curse that was put on them was you are only allowed to have one character archetype. So you've got Tallulah Riley, the rock and roll cool one. You've got Natalie Cox's, you're the uptight one. That's not true. The, got... the one who's an academic is also a lesbian. And they managed to do lots of mean-spirited jokes about both of those things throughout the film as well. But her main character arc above all of that is that she's a Beatle. Oh, yeah. That's she right. Likes the so she actually has three things. <laughs> she is the most complex yeah. character in this movie. Um <laughs> And then, and then you've got um, Liz Hurley's one, the the posh one, who's the posh one who hates kids, age, who despises children, who hates kids almost as much as this film, which seems to want to make a, <laughs> a, a make the children the butt of the joke every time they're on screen. And I don't, I don't mind that in a movie that is being deliberately cruel like that. But this movie doesn't feel like it's being deliberately cruel. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be a black comedy that's making fun of it. And no. I have, I have no problem. I, I think you probably have more of a problem now as a father. As a father. With, yeah. with, uh, with children being made fun of or, yeah. or being put through things in films. One of my favourite scenes in Always Sunny is still the one where Mac and Charlie beat the shit out of a load of... <laughs> no, that is, that is very it's funny. extremely funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, the meanness in places in this movie doesn't it yeah and it, again it's because it's lazy it, it's tired yeah. humor they think how can we throw in a joke about that make it at the expense of whoever's on screen and you're done move on and, and it's and it's kind of a sexist joke because it's thrown at one of the women who has no interest in having children so obviously she must despise children yeah right exactly no one could possibly so, be so happy more than and not have children yeah, more than it being a joke at the expense of the kids it's more at the expense of women who don't want children which is more unsafe. Yes, there are there are layers to the awfulness of this mean-spirited humour. It's an onion of mean-spirited, lazy nonsense. It's a lasagna that's been in the fridge too long, and you get it out of the fridge, and you think that doesn't look quite right. And you lift up the top layer, and there's just mould underneath, and down each layer of the lasagna, there's more and more mould. Even Garfield wouldn't touch that. Even Garfield wouldn't touch this. 
Um, <laughs> so, so various things happen, and then we get the big reveal. And the big reveal is that Kelsey Christmas was cucked. So he was cucked by his brother, and then he decided, I've got to get out of here, and I'm going to go off to America. Before that, there's a, there's a joke where Chris Marshall thinks he's been cucked, but he hasn't. It's, it's, it's once again that incredibly tired comedy of, oh, there's a, there's a positive pregnancy test in the bin. Oh my gosh, is my wife pregnant? Oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. That kind of thing. And so it's it's just uh, there's all of those kind of tired jokes, but then yes, it gets to the gets to the serious bit, which is that he ran away and supported his children financially, but just di- didn't talk to them. Yeah, and which is so really what? odd. It's like they don't know him at all or don't know where he is, and it's like it's not it's, doesn't really work that way unless you're a real dick. But in which case, you're not probably financially supporting them. It's really strange. Like, what is the point here? That he loved his children and he loved his wife. He got cheated on by his wife, by his own brother. Okay, that's going to be difficult. But rather than being there for his kids, he's like, no, I'm going to financially support them, but not emotionally support them. And I'm going to let them think that I'm the bad guy and they can all despise me for the rest of their lives. (laughs) And he actually seems like a kind of decent guy, doesn't he? He's just there being sort of amiable and nice. Yeah, you know? un- un- unlike Kelsey Grammer in real life, his yeah. character here seems all right. <laughs> um, but it's it's just such a strange story twist. And one of the things that's a big problem with this movie that we haven't talked about yet is how poorly structured it is. Yeah. And this reveal is the perfect example of that because we get the big reveal with Kelsey Grammer and the family talking about it. And then he's the one who goes off to go and find Chris Marshall's character who thinks he's been cucked. And then he does the same emotional speech about what happened to him with Chris Marshall. Almost yeah. exactly the same dialogue. And you're like, we don't need to see this again. Copy and paste what, why, emotional dad speech. What, why is this scene in here with a few moved around words? It's it's just really odd. And and those kind of structural issues come up time and time again in this movie where it feels poorly made and it looks cheap. Oh, it looks terrible. We haven't even got onto that yet. As if mm. like the plot lurching from thing to thing as if it kind of not knowing what it wants to be as if the terrible script and the mean-spirited lazy humor as if all of that wasn't bad enough it looks horrible it's really really badly shot and badly lit which is there's no excuse for that in this day and age is there and it looks cheap and weird from the off and you know from you know this from the very off because it's showing it's using a, a weird font as well do you mm. not think like the kind of mm. the font that is used throughout looks like a really cheap sort of christmas word art font and it looked yeah. really low res but i so i saw that and then suddenly everyone's faces started appearing in the title sequence it shows everyone's face to the camera with their name and they all looked old and haggard didn't they <laughs> they really did um one thing that's it does feel like the kind of shit post thing that we would generate as a made-up movie it when does. you look at when you look at things like the poster and the, the font choices and things like that and the way that their heads are popping up out of the screen and back um, it genuinely looks less professional than like a present <laughs> for the president or yeah, one of those films. absolutely or even wizard cop like now that Adam e- even Driver's wizard done that, that other film <laughs> 
that is like that, the but di- even the, sillier. The, the shooting dinosaurs movie, yeah, three, uh, 65 million <laughs> years ago or whatever. Adam um, Driver is dinosaur shooter. <laughs> exactly. Turok, um, dinosaur hunter, starring Adam Driver. No, I, I really want to see that film, actually. I, I want to watch it. Looks it looks ridiculous. Well. It, looks, it looks amazing. Um, but you're right about the lighting. The lighting is the real problem here. One of the key issues is that with all the outside scenes, it was shot when it was overcast, which is fine. You can do that. But when that happens, you need to make sure that the lighting is correct. But instead, everything looks dingy. Everything looks dreary. Mm. And those internal scenes look like they're really faded, like the colour's been drained out of them. Yeah, it's, it's like the really co- It's like the nice colour palette at. for a Zack Snyder movie almost. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't feel vibrant. <laughs> Kelsey and, and- Grammer's Justice League. And, and when you're watching a movie like this, it's it's supposed to be a cheesy Christmas movie, and that's supposed to have all of those warm colours and that vibrancy. Or you could very least do the the chop and change between the vibrancy and between the more detached scenes effectively. And it tries to do Christmas humour, doesn't it? There's all stuff about the kids decorating the tree with toilet paper, and again, jokes at the, the, the expense of the kids and Chris Marshall. They're dumb and they're ruining Christmas. There's a whole Christmas fair that's really bad, you know, and it looks awful and dingy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and those scenes do... And this is a technical problem of the creation of this movie, is that... All of those scenes have lots of bright lights in them and it's a Christmas tree with loads of baubles on it and it is this this fancy, nice manor house in the middle of nowhere. But instead, it all looks just dreary. I mean, I do I do some video work as part of my job and it's by no means my area of expertise, but there is no end of technology now you can use to correct that stuff in post as well. And it seems like they just didn't bother because they were just churning it out into the content meat grinder. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at uh, a full release movie, what you can fix in post isn't quite as as big as maybe people think if those initial technical limitations there haven't been thought of. And this is the kind of movie where they needed strong lighting right there in the scenes. <laughs> but it goes beyond that. Like you said, they clearly could have done more in, in post-production to, to resolve this. I didn't they, get the feeling they tried. They could certainly have done things with the editing scenes feeling like they last too long individual shots feeling like they lasted too long it's just everything feels sloppy you probably could have cut every single scene in half and got the same message from it and then the the film would have been much shorter and it wasn't that long but it it felt like six hours well i mean it is it is an hour and 45 minutes this could have easily been 90 minutes 80 minutes yeah and it probably would have been better you could have you could have trimmed everything made it more concise but it's just there and it goes on <laughs> and there are points at which you feel like oh it's it's over now oh, how is there half an hour to go like they've gone there's a bit they kind of at some point after some shit has gone down they all go to the pub and the pub is nice and the pub has table service which is not a thing and there's like a folky band playing at the pub and they all do horrible pub singing and then they're all happy and you're like is this the end? This feels like the end of the film. Oh, somehow there's still half an hour to 40 minutes left. God, what <laughs> shit do I have to sit through now? And that's the thing, isn't it? You you are just then waiting for it to, waiting for it to end. And it just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it just it keeps just going and going. Lumbers and going. on and on. Suddenly so trying to be a sex comedy. I'm so glad I was able to bring this to your attention, Paddy. Uh. 
It's terrible. And then, of course, it turns out the the rich man who's going out with Liz Hurley works in publishing because everyone who works in publishing is rich and drives a nice car. Now, to be fair, he might be a a, a, a nepotism hire. Yeah, he probably and is. And might be yeah. from a rich family. Yeah, yeah. So, probably in is. which case, he could, have, he could have a Bentley. He could have a Bentley if he wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the most realistic bit of this movie. Maybe, yeah. Or the idea that he'd want to publish some random woman's thesis on the Beatles as a book. But don't you know, in Britain, everyone loves the Beatles and everyone wants to read everything about the Beatles. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Put the Beatles on anything, it'll sell. Much like the approach to this film. Just throw throw all these stars' names on a poster that people will watch Christmas it on Netflix. On it Put Christmas on it. it. Yeah. But it is, it is weird, isn't it, that this movie... I didn't hear anything about this film last year when it came out. No, I didn't either. And it's strange that it's now sort of come up in the algorithm this year instead. Yeah, maybe they realise that so few people watched it that they do have to try and push it to recoup their investment somehow. But that's not even really how Netflix but works, that, is it? But that's not like how Netflix Once, once the cost is sunk, the cost is sunk. Maybe they realised they had a slot on the on the little sliding things on Netflix and they're like, oh shit, have a look through. Oh, our... We've got one left. <laughs> we've what got we one do? left. Have a, look through, have a look through our repertoire and see what we can chuck into this sliding screen of Christmas guy, for this year. There's one guy at Netflix whose job it is to decide the films that goes in those slots and he was about to knock off. He had five <laughs> he minutes was left. Done. Was like, he was done. Yeah, what have we got? Um, so interesting thing to note about our director, well, one of our directors... Philippe Martinez, who is returning for Christmas in Paradise. Okay. And Christmas in the Caribbean. Um, He's worked with some big names over the years, you know. Not on anything good, but has worked with them. So when you look at his filmography and as a director, he's he's done more um done more production work. Um he produced one of the terrible Van Wilder sequels, for instance. Okay. We should talk about Van Wilder at some point because I've never seen we'll, it. We'll both despise it. Um <laughs> But uh but he's worked with um with um with Jean Claude Van Damme. Okay. He's worked with Steven Seagal. He's worked with Gerard Depardieu. This is a list of very hard hunks. <laughs> and he, he's worked with Val Kilmer. Not on anything good. <laughs> um, but how how interesting is that, that he's worked with all of these people? Over yeah, and looking at it now, he's got a very interesting yeah, CV. it's a really varied list of films that he's worked on as well. He's worked on all sorts of different things over the years. Lots of really varied stuff. But now, he seems to be intent on making these Christmas movies because he's made this, he made this one in 2021. But then, like I said, we've got Christmas in Paradise in 2022, and we've got Christmas in the Caribbean, which almost feels like it's surely exactly the same movie, but it's not. I don't know. I can't find anything about either of those films anywhere. They're on. It's, it's on IMDb. Huh, interesting. You've got Christmas in Paradise. Christmas in Paradise. The plot summary here is Joanna's Holiday. Um, Joanna is Liz Hurley's character, is shattered when her sisters tell her that their dad has been dumped. He isn't responding to any calls and disappeared to a Caribbean island. The sisters decide to go save their father and bring him home for Christmas. Right. I see. So we've got a sort of Mamma Mia situation here. (laughs) Yeah. But without the singing. If there are songs, I'm into it. 
If they if they can hire Benj Pasek and Justin Paul to throw some songs together, then that'll probably be enough for me. <laughs> One interesting thing is that we don't have Tallulah Ly- Riley listed in the cast here. Right. So we do have Kelsey Grammer, Liz Hurley, Natalie Cox, and Naomi Frederick. And also, introducing to the series, Billy Ray Cyrus. What? <laughs> Who seems to be some kind of musician in paradise. Not someone else's brother or uncle or the husband of an inappropriate age. <laughs> He's just called Jimmy. So I assume his character is called Jimmy Ray Cyrus. Jimmy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> but how how strange is that, that we have this movie, but then we also have... I'm just going to double check and see if they've recast Tallulah Riley's character or if she just is not appearing in this movie. So her character is called Vicky Christmas. We do not see a Vicky in the cast for Christmas in Paradise, so I can only assume they're saving her character's triumphant return for Christmas in Space. Maybe in she died at the end of the last film, but we didn't see No, I, I, I think she's genuinely going up into space and they're going to do a space one, like Jason X. Right. <laughs> so then we've got Christmas in the Caribbean, which again was, I assume, the same characters. Because we've got Natalie Cox in it and we've got Elizabeth Wait, Hare. the one you're talking about isn't Christmas in the Caribbean? No, it's called Christmas in Paradise. Right, okay. Hold but surely those, they're both the same concept, surely. Hold on. I'm just having a look here. It's different character names. So maybe Christmas in Paradise is the sequel to Father Christmas is back. But then Christmas in the Caribbean is a completely unattached movie that just uses all the same cast and the name Christmas. And they must have filmed them back to back when they were in the Caribbean. Right. Do you reckon that's what's happened here? So they've made these two movies in the Caribbean. So what happens in the the second one then? So Christmas in the Caribbean, and I... I this must not be attached unless they've all changed character names to something else, but it's just exactly the same cast. And Natalie Cox, this is one that Natalie Cox wrote with Philippe Martinez. Right, okay. So this movie follows an abandoned British bride who spends December in the Caribbean with her bridesmaids as love blossoms. Oh no, they're trying to do bridesmaids. So this stars... But it's going to be British, so it'll be (laughs) awful, obviously. So it stars Natalie Cox, stars Liz Hurley, stars Caroline Quentin, who has returned for this one. Okay. So this is really strange. So they got all of the cast together, but in different blocks. And surely they must have filmed these back to back. They won't have gone out and made two movies in the Caribbean in 2022, right? No, no. They'll have only been able to hire the one hotel where they filmed everything for so long. But then Kelsey Grammer, they must have got him just for... Maybe they could only afford him for one movie. Yeah. And they could only afford Caroline Quentin for one movie. Very odd. But you can't find a way to watch it anywhere. I'm morbidly curious. Well, I'm I'm extremely curious about this other one, which is not connected, but stars everybody <laughs> from the same one. Let's find out where we can watch Christmas in the Caribbean. Yeah. I I am kind of vaguely interested in the way that I just think, how can they do this? Genuinely, how can they get away with doing this? <laughs> who is going? Who saw this film and went, "Yeah, that's a good idea." 
but it makes you think the people financing the people financing films actually watch films. Have the people who lend money to these projects ever seen a film? Like <laughs> they've seen some films. So let's have a little look here. In terms of streaming, we have to buy it from places like Amazon. So it's only on there for buying. Mm. And it's only so I assume maybe next by by next year we might be able to watch Christmas in the Caribbean. Oh, good! I look forward to that Christmas twenty twenty three. However, I do also want to watch Christmas in Paradise. And given that you keep making me watch those bloody after movies, <laughs> this is going to be the new. <laughs> this is going to be. This is going to be mine. Christmas in Paradise. Where can we watch? There this? should be a crossover. Let's get Hero finds Tiffin in. To play some irritating cousin. I can't believe you've got me here for the Christmas family Christmas. Oh, <laughs> I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas. They have to show um, Hero so finds I, Tiffin the true meaning of Christmas. So, which is being rich so and having cr- stuff, probably. So Christmas in Paradise also only seems to be available to watch after you've paid for it. So again, maybe this time next year, we can Double bill. Christmas in Paradise. Double billing. Double Liz Hurley, double Natalie Cox, Christmas movies. I think that's got to happen. We can do a double bill episode where we do both of them back to back. I can't wait. (laughs) I can't believe we watched this after Spirited as well, which was so lovely and so good and so uplifting (laughs) and joyful and goofy and funny. Oh, I I had to ruin your your Christmas spirit. Yeah, you you certainly did. to be done. It's just, it thinks that it's funny just by making very, very lazy jokes and... I think it thinks that the that its Britishness will carry it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's an exceedingly but British But it's like movie. showing showing a bit of sort of British awkwardness and family dynamic, as has been done in the careers of many of these actors, have pedigree in that, I guess. Uh, this film thinks that just sort of exposing a bit of British family awkwardness is enough to make a film, and it's not. No, no. And particularly given that it doesn't feel genuine at all. No. Where it, and it all feels very convoluted, very unreal. Um, and that's one of its many downfalls. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's its only downfall because there's all sorts of things wrong with this no. film. Nothing about it feels genuine. It has a lot a lot of people just telling the plot to each other and, you know, all of, that, all of the obvious things that you'd expect from a bad film. But, yeah, it just it feels British in the worst way, doesn't it? Yeah. It's Brexit. Yeah, this is a Brexit film. <laughs> Brexit movie. Um, so before we round out, I just wanted to say I only received one critic review or Metacritic that gave it a 25 out of 100. That seems um, generous. And then the user score is only 2.9 as well. So, um, so it has not gone over well with anybody, unfortunately. I'm not surprised. Um, it's just, it just feels disappointing because there's so many good people in this. And John Cleese. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that, that's why I think it's it's such an affront. Yeah, if this had just been... If this had just been nobody, nobody's in this. I mean, no one would have bothered watching it. But it it, it just... It just but if, like, if it had a bunch of nobody sort fun. of overacting and really hamming and goofing around, it could have been a shit piece, at least. You, this, could, this could have been the room. Yeah. You could have done a room-esque. Um, room-esque Genuinely, movie. The Room is a better film than this. 
and The Room is objectively one of the worst films ever made, it's a better film than this. <laughs> there is more passion, more drama, more kind of, you know, intent. The Room, I think, is it says more than this film. Yeah, it it says hi, doggy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Episode right. Nineteen have, when we did the room. Have, have you got a long time ago? Have you got anything else you want to say about this film? Um, just that there's a lovely bit of anti-intellectualism in it as well, where they're all kind of taking the piss out of the one who's doing a PhD. It's like, yeah, great. Imagine trying to better yourself and trying to dedicate yourself to learning. Yeah, imagine that. Um, though I did write down there was one bit that did make me laugh. So I lied when I said I didn't laugh. I don't know if I laughed, but I did. Th- I did write down that this is funny, which is when Kelsey Grammer and John Cleese set up like they're going to go outside and have a fist fight, and suddenly there's like like rock music playing, and it was all like, them like in slow motion putting their fisticuffs up. That amused me. That did not amuse me, but it did amuse me that they were bullying someone who was doing a PhD because we all know that learning is for nerds. Yeah, learning is for nerds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Imagine doing one of those. Yeah, what what nerd would do a PhD, eh, Paddy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and also, there's like a thing where the Chris Marshall accidentally mixes up the Christmas gifts, so all the like expensive toys and whatever go to the old folks' home. And you see, you see all the old people like playing on the playstations and stuff. I was like, yes, the old people deserve the PlayStation. You have it. <laughs> See, I don't. I only watched this movie um, about a week ago, and I've already forgotten that scene entirely, which shows how much of an impact this film had on me. Yeah, um. and the score was rubbish as well. Kind of like overly emphasizing the earnestness of the fake earnest bits, and then being a bit too comedy pop pop the rest of the time. Yeah, absolutely useless, terrible score as well. So you're telling me you enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a bit where they refer to women as hens. There's yeah, there's just loads of total rubbish in it. Absolute <laughs> stinking garbage. I have nothing good to say about this film. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. So, what score are you going to give this bad boy then? Oh, I don't know. Can I give it a one out of twenty for the for the fisticuffs scene of John Cleese <laughs> and Kelsey Grammer? Sure. The idea of pitting John Cleese against Kelsey Grammer is not a bad idea. Yeah, the concept itself, and they're sort of exploring the relationship between both of them and Caroline Quentin. If it focused on that relationship dynamic and actually sort of dug into it without just making the whole film a bunch of cheap cheap jokes and weird scenes strewn together, that is the kernel of something that could be interesting, I think. Yeah, they're, they're, this could have been a fun movie in some way, shape or form, but a lot of things need to change for it to even reach it being passable yeah it's unwatchable isn't it yeah i don't use i don't use that word lightly but this film is unwatchable i'm gonna give it a three for the three Three. for the three moments because i don't think this is anywhere near as bad as the after movies or as bad as just friends just because i guess if those movies set the mindset that the world had we'd be in a lot of trouble those whereas movies is, are hate are hateful. Yeah, whereas whereas this film is harmless and very bad. Yeah. Um I'm just I'm more I'm gonna... offended by the fact that this got made in such a terrible way and that everything about it is bad. <laughs> which is true. Which is yeah, true. The after films at least have better lighting. But I, I'm gonna at give least it a... you could see Hero Finds Tiffin's face <laughs> when true. you needed to. But I'm gonna give it a three. Three, four, 
seeing Liz Hurley and going, oh, that's Liz Hurley. Maybe this movie's not going to be that bad. <laughs> one for going, oh, it's Natalie Cox. She's my agent in the Formula One games. Maybe this movie's not going to be so bad. <laughs> and one for going, oh, it's Caroline Quentin. Maybe this movie's not going to be so bad. I normally like her. So I'm going to give it a point for those three moments where I thought it wouldn't be as bad as it really was, and then it let me down. <laughs> yeah. I'm, give, I'm going to give it one point for giving me an excuse to put the men behaving badly theme on. <laughs> and enjoy Very that. Very justifiable. Than... You didn't have an excuse to do that after watching any of the after movies, even though no, there is a movie about a true. man behaving very badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of men behaving very badly in this film that wheels out John Cleese to play himself and talk about the war. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. So, um, do we have another. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. You, you get the picture. You're gonna That's get gotta a, be the fourth or fifth time I've done that on this show. You're gonna get a copyright strike for, for that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is our last Christmas movie before Christmas, isn't it? I it, before Christmas, yeah. But should is. we do do we have another one to watch before New Year? Because it feels like we're a bit short on Christmas movie this year. I know, because we started late because I made you watch After After. the End We Fell Happy, whatever it was. (laughs) Um, Well, my wife wanted us to watch Serendipity, which is it's one of those films that sort of takes place at Christmas. It isn't overtly festive, but whatever. Um, So I think we should probably do that. And I have seen it and I know it's better than this. So Cool, yeah. um, Are you, yeah, we could probably fit that in before the end of the year. Let's do that then. Let's do that. Yeah, so I thought that would be a good shout. Get a bit of John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale in us. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Excellent stuff. Looking forward to that. Watch a good movie. Yeah, all right. Well, have a very, very Merry Christmas, everybody. Please don't watch Father Christmas is Back. Please watch literally any other Christmas film. As as the the certified Grinch, I recommend you all watch Father Christmas is Back. <laughs> certified Grinch. <laughs> That's you. Absolutely. So yeah, we we really hope you have a great Christmas and that you have found some other festive films to enjoy. You know, festive cinema is one of the big big important things that you do at Christmas and I think that really sets the festive mood. So we hope you're watching lots of great festive films and having a great time. And um, we love you and we wish you all the joy and peace and goodwill in the world. And I wish peace and goodwill even to the cast of this film. <laughs> to the cast, absolutely. Yeah. Even to the even to the people who made this film. <laughs> Despite having spoken about it for uh, having been pooping on it for the last hour, I I wish them all nothing but peace and goodwill because it is the season. It is. It is. Um, Happy holidays, everyone. I'm going to give you the non-denominational. Oh, yes. Have a good time. Happy holidays. Um, Whatever holiday you celebrate, it's cool with us. Even if it's just enjoying sitting down and having a bank holiday and not having to deal with other human beings. That's the best part of the season, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Lovely stuff. All right, well, yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll be back next week to talk about serendipity. All righty, bye-bye. All right, bye.